0: Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with the mayor, Jeff Burton. And we are talking on the Monday after the Bristol Motor Speedway dirt race, which was won by Christopher Bell. This is the third edition of the dirt race, Jeff, but the first time that we've really had a a true dirt guy win this thing. And, And Christopher Bell did it in dirt driver style. I mean, he put his right rear fender up against the wall a a couple of times. Why do you think it worked this year for a dirt driver to win this race? I know before the race, Christopher Bell was saying, hey, it's the dirt drivers have been crashing each other the last two years. I know he and Larson got together one year, but I heard a lot of talk afterward about how good the track seemed to be, how strong conditions were. Do you think that was the reason that we saw really the top three all be dirt guys this year?
1: Well, Nate, I think I think your first point is probably more likely just that you know their guys had themselves in position to win, and they they ended up crashing each other or whatever. So I think that's more likely. I will say I thought the track was the best it's been. I, I think that uh, Steve Swift and his team uh, at SMI did an incredible job of of, of applying everything they've learned uh, the last the last three years. Then on top of that, you know, they had tons of rain on Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday. That did not mess up the truck race on Saturday. And then it was completely sunny and and the opposite of what you think you would want for the race on Sunday. And they found a way to be ahead of the track then, too. So uh, I thought they did a great job. The track was the best it's been. But, but it, the dirt racers have consistently put themselves in position to win this race. Uh, they just hadn't been able to pull it out. And, and this week, they were able to make it happen.
0: When you watch dirt racing, Jeff, as somebody who grew up, pavement racing, you know, asphalt has been the bulk of your racing career, certainly. When you watch this, <laughs> have you grown to like sort of appreciate what makes a good dirt race, especially with stock cars over the last three years?
1: You know, I, I uh, last year I watched on television this year, I went, went to the track, you know, at the track, there's so much going on. It's hard to keep up with it. Bristol is Bristol right? everything's right in front of you. And, you know, I sat, I sat on the back straightaway the highest you could be still in the lower section and like you just had like this panoramic view of nonstop action. And, and it was amazing. I mean, in person, it was, it was an amazing event to watch. Uh, it was tons of action, tons of activity. Uh, it seemed to me that throughout the race there were all different kinds of lines that people could make work and the different styles. Like I was watching guys drive completely different and making the same lap time. So, yes, I have a great deal of appreciation uh, for how difficult it is and then all the different ways to make it work. What's really interesting about dirt is that, you know, you just have so many different places you can go and so many different options and watching the dirt guys do that and watching the non-dirt guys learn how to do that. uh, It it actually is a lot of fun.
0: And is that what maybe works so well about this year's race? Is it seem like by the end of the race, you could run anywhere. Like I know top was usually preferred in a dirt style race, but it seemed like toward the end of this race, it was wide open on the bottom and top both.
1: Well, I thought, and even, even, you know, when the top was dominant, if somebody didn't do it right, you could still make the bottom work. You know what I mean? And and the restarts are nuts. Like there really is no preferred line on the restart. It's just what line in front of you gets bottled up. I just thought that, throughout the entire race, they just, the drivers had options. If the top worked, then you didn't have to be all the way at to the top. You could be three quarters away up the top. If the bottom worked, you didn't have to be on the bottom. You could, you know, you just could move around and it got really rough. The track got exceptionally rough in turn three, which actually in a weird kind of way added to the race because now it limited what drivers could do over there. And some drivers I saw run through the, like intentionally running through it and they could make that work. So it was, it was, it's a lot. It's a lot to <laughs> in, uh, in person. It's like, oh, what am I going to watch? And, and uh, it, it is, it is, it is fun. And I think what I appreciate the most is that, look, a lot of drivers go into this race, very reluctant. Yeah. They go into this race doing, man, I would rather not be doing this, but I have to do it. And they dig deep and they find a way to push themselves and be, find a way to be uncomfortable, be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. And that's what I enjoy about it is that it's not easy. It's different. It's unique. Watching the fans react to the different things. I mean, it's you had to be careful because every time somebody went like that, you people, like what? What are you, what are you pointing at? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you had to you had to tune that out, or you couldn't focus very well.
0: Certainly, there was a lot of action all the way around the track. But as you, as you know, like I think the guys that finishing the top three were guys we were expecting. But one guy, Jeff, that was really surprising. I mean, I think everybody just expects that Kyle Larson is going to win this race as soon as they started every year because he's so good on dirt. You know, as good as he is in a stock car, he's obviously one of the greatest dirt drivers really in the world. Kyle Larson wins the first stage, kind of inexplicably just loses the handle, I guess, through stage two. And then stage three loses it by himself and then gets taken out by Ryan Priest, who. Claimed he got loose. I don't race dirt. I don't know. I just I tried running the top. I'm a guy that runs the bottom, and when you're trying to, I know he was making speed up top. And I tried to move up there, and we were just we were too loose. So ultimately, um, you know, I
2: still agree that a lot of people are going to stand their ground, but by no means was that intentional. I was just trying to get all I could.
0: They had had an instance earlier in the in the race, an incident where Priest had hit the wall. I haven't seen contact from earlier in the race, so it was a tight tight clear off the floor, and um, I mean, I don't, obviously, I'm looking in my mirror, and didn't seem that he was to my outside yet, but, uh, and I don't know if he got into the wall, but um, he had a pretty short temper, obviously, he was trying to crash me, I think, after that, and was, he was swerving at me under yellow, and um, <clears throat> assumed it'd been, you know, an hour and a half or so since that happened, and, um, it wasn't my fault why he ended up spun out in the back, so I thought that he would chill out, but uh, obviously did it and, and ran me in the fence, and ended our day, so um, it is what it is. Figured we could just be grown-ups and get over it, but I guess not. Let's start with, what did you make of this Kyle Larson-Ryan Priest battle? Priest said it wasn't intentional, but how did you see it?
1: I mean, just racing, you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of emotion, it's a lot, people get mad, people get happy, it's just an emotional sport. You know, I, I think I think Priest overreacted a little bit. I thought, he, you know, he went a little bit far in it. But at the same token, you know, he's fighting for his life. You know, he's in a position that he's wanted to be in his entire life. And he's fighting to keep it. And so there's a lot of, there's a sense of, I got to get it done now. There's a sense of, if I don't get it done, what am I going to do? And that's that's a ton of pressure. That's a ton of, you know, emotions going on there. And it's the hard part of the sport. It's the great part of the sport is that it's, you know, it's, it's you're fighting for your life. And so I think when you take a step back and you look at it from that perspective, you can understand, you know, they, they, they got off to a really good start. You think about, you know, how good he ran at the Coliseum. But other than that, it's been a little bit of a struggle and, and, you know, the, he needs to perform and he's like, Hey man, I'm, I can't get run in the wall. I can't let people run me in the wall. I can't let these things happen because it it hampers my opportunity to further my career. I think the fans need to recognize and appreciate that's his perspective. And and emotions get the better of all of us. Uh, But he's literally fighting for his life.
0: And no question, this is his second and most likely last chance at a decent cup opportunity here. He's in a good ride. He's with a good team. And I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. I'm curious, though, uh, you know, he said – Afterward, Hey, I didn't mean to wreck Kyle Larson. I was just running the high line. But his team, after he and Larson had their first dust up, his team kind of encouraged him to go get him.
1: Yeah, make sure you return the favor because he, he shouldn't make mistakes like that. So I doubt it was. It was not a mistake. Yeah, and his father just told me he was telling him. You know what I'm sick of? Tell me. Excuses from now on to think it's game over. I agree. I
2: like it. There's got to be a repercussion for things or people are going to continue to do it, right?
0: What did you make of that? And does the team bear any responsibility in maybe kind of inflaming the situation instead of calming the driver down?
1: The teams don't need to decide on how drivers are going to handle themselves. The drivers need to do that. I, I know that it's a team sport, uh, but there's only one guy holding the wheel. And there's only one guy that, that has to make those decisions. And the team needs to stay the hell out of that, to be honest with you. It's emotional for everybody. You know, we talked about you know how Ryan's fighting for his life, what well, everybody on that team is. I mean, this is the life you picked. and it's it's very pressure filled. And when you feel like somebody's taking away that opportunity, then it's emotional. And and people re- respond to emotions differently. But it's in the best interest of everybody that just let the drivers work it out. We don't. We really don't need. We really don't need spotters. We don't need crew chiefs. We don't need other parents or siblings or spouses or kids you know we just don't need them influencing it it needs to be the drivers dealing with it amongst themselves
0: i want to get to that point certainly because i think that's been a, a topic of discussion here the last couple of weeks is how should the drivers work things out? these things out and how should NASCAR get involved or should they at all be involved in that process? But before we get to that, I just want to touch really quickly. This is not the first time Kyle Larson has gotten into something with another driver both this year and, and really if you go back to last year, he's had a few instances where he's he's gotten sideways with guys and guys have sort of taken umbrage at the way he is racing them how would you describe Kyle Larson in terms of his reputation in terms of the way he races people is he I mean I think we all look at him and think well he's a champion he's one of the best drivers in the world I don't think we often think of him as like a really aggressive driver but does his style kind of put him or maybe his talent put him in situations where he's he's more likely to sort of be at loggerheads with other drivers yeah. Nate, what, what what happens in this sport is we tend to think of aggressive drivers as drivers that
1: are running into other drivers all the time. Okay. Jimmy Johnson was an exceptionally aggressive race car driver because he attacked the racetrack and, and, and people will say, well, Jimmy wasn't aggressive because he didn't run into people that much. He was on edge all the time. Like he was pushing and attacking the racetrack at all times. And when you do that, you're going to make some mistakes from time to time. And so, With Jimmy, we would see it where typically, for the most part, he would spin out. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was not afraid to wreck. He was not afraid to spin out. He made a lot of mistakes because he operated on the edge a lot. So when I think of Kyle Larson, that's what I think about. I don't think about a guy that's out there aggressively, knocking, intentionally running into people, intentionally moving people out of the way. He's pushing that car to its very edge. And when you do that and people are around you, sometimes you're going to get tangled up with them. Uh, I don't think he's a dirty driver. I don't think that he's anything like that. I just think that he's pushing and trying to make lap time and trying to go as fast as he can. And, and that is going to put him in a position where from time to time, he's going to make people angry.
0: So that's sort of the the fine line there between he's not to quote another driver who obviously had a famous moment at Bristol involving this quote, rattling other people's cages. That's not really what Larson is doing. It's just sort of a byproduct of, of how he races. Who is that, that <laughs> Yeah, hmm. yeah I, look, look when you're fast
1: and you're winning races and you're constantly running up front, people don't like, drivers don't like that. They want to be that guy. and, and that's just how it, and that's how it should be. And so when you got a guy like that that's fast and you have a problem with him, uh, it rubs you wrong, and and I, but I don't, I don't view Kyle Larson as a guy that the garage has a problem with. I mean, not even close to it, to be honest with you.
0: How drivers work things out between each other has been a topic of discussion the last couple of weeks. Of course, this goes back to Phoenix, where Denny Hamlin had his incident with Ross Chastain on the final lap, came out on a podcast the next day and said, I put Chastain in the wall, essentially, because of the way he's raced me. I forced him to make a choice, either back out or I'm taking you in the wall with me. NASCAR didn't like that. They gave Denny Hamlin a points penalty. I would suspect, based on what happened with Priest and Larson from Bristol, that the priest incident certainly w- will be reviewed. Where do you kind of view the lines right now in terms of the state of retaliation or policing each other for drivers and the way NASCAR sees that right now?
1: I'd say it's blurry. I I think that, you know, there's a couple of different ways that NASCAR or any sanctioned body can go about this. And if you think about, and I'm you know, thinking about F1, right? Where if two drivers have a situation, they are, they're reviewing it and they're going to make a call. You know, I got some issue with that uh, because that's not our culture. That's not what NASCAR racing has been built on. So that's over-policing in my eyes. That's over-policing the sport in regard to NASCAR. There are times when there are blatant situations where somebody does something, Bubba Wallace, you know, he and, he and Kyle Larson, those kind of moments NASCAR needs to step in. Like they need, the, you can't, you can't have that. At that point, NASCAR needs to step in. In the middle is the problem, right? Like Denny Hamlin's situation where, you know, he came out and he said what he said and it's still like, you really listen to what he said. He really never said, I just intentionally wrecked the guy. Like, right. It's a little fuzzy. And so I don't really want NASCAR involved in it. I think they have to get involved in it when it's severe. Uh, If you go down this road of NASCAR being involved in everything, then NASCAR is going to be involved in everything. And that's different than where we've been, although it's a bit of a it's a bit of a yo-yo. It's a little bit up and down. I think we need to I think we need to decide who we're going to be and be that. And it's hard for NASCAR. It's hard for the drivers because you you have a lot of different opinions about how NASCAR should police the sport. And, you know, typically it's been, look, we're going to let you guys handle it. If it gets out of hand. We're going to step in, you know, but where's that line? And so it's fuzzy, but I think it's always been fuzzy. I mean, I think it's always been, you know, how many years ago was it that Ricky Rudd spun out? Uh, he spun out Davey, right?
0: Yeah, Sonoma. I think at that was '92 maybe or and, late eighties, maybe. Somewhere and, around there. Yeah.
1: And they penalized Ricky yeah. Rudd for that. And but how many other times did somebody else spend somebody for the win and they didn't penalize? Like, so this isn't a new this isn't new, but I, I do think that I do think that every every so often we we need to decide as an industry what are we going to be and <laughs> just, just be it. You know, I go back to even to Matt Kenseth and, and Joey Logano at, at, at Martinsville. Like Matt Kenseth deserved to be penalized. But did Matt Kenseth have any idea the penalty was going to be as big as it was? Did he have any reason to believe that that's how big the penalty was? Like where was the precedence for that? He deserved to be penalized, but at that degree, that's just an example of how the more everybody is on the same page and understands what it is that we're going to do and how we're going to do it, the better we're going to be. I just I get nervous. I get nervous with the over policing of the sport or what I consider to be over policing of the sport. But I but but I will tell you there's other drivers, there's drivers that believe that there should should be more policing. There's drivers that believe that it should be less. It was the same way 15 years ago and 15 years before that and 15 years ago before that. I just don't know how this is a problem that's ever gonna not go away. It's not a Nate, it's not a cut and dry sport. You know, it's not you're either inbounds or you're out of bounds. It's not. And so that makes it harder to police.
0: You're right. I mean, this is not uh, covering NASCAR for 20 years, and this is certainly not the first time this discussion has come up. It is cyclical, like almost everything in racing. But, you know, you mentioned that some drivers would like to see more. I'll give you an example. I mean, Kyle Busch said the day before the Bristol dirt race in a media availability to track, he said that... Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Do you need clarification from NASCAR? Is that something you
1: seek? Or in one sense, are you almost hoping that NASCAR starts calling things a little bit more aggressively and and not allowing some, you know, what may look like a crash and just just inserting themselves in and and making a decision in in light of what you've talked about in the last few weeks about respect and maybe trying to rein that in? Or is that going way over the line and causing a problem that that, that just adds to it?
2: Well, I think where I agree a lot with Denny is if we're supposed to be self-policing and have the opportunity to be able to go out there and, and do something, if someone did something to us, us to be able to go back and retaliate, how are we supposed to do that? Tell me what is and isn't okay. Um, apparently saying it the day, two days after the fact is not okay. Um, you know, saying it right after the fact when you're still hot and bothered is okay. You know, the, the nature of it is, to me, how do you clean this up? I, I think you can clean up a lot of it by doing what we're all supposed to be doing at the local short track ranks is penalizing those that are involved in the caution and sending them to the rear of the field if there's a spin and you got punted by somebody and the caution is drawn those two go to the back you know you the one spinning is already going to the back but the one that caused the spin should should have to go to the back so um i mean that's a start, that's not a fix but that's just a start uh to kind of help you know in the instance of um what all goes down.
0: It seems as if there's almost like this growing chorus that I haven't heard before of people asking for NASCAR to step in when, when guys are, are spun or wrecked in that sort of way. Is that ever something NASCAR should do? Or do you think that that would fly at all in the cup series or? I had a
1: wise man tell me one time, uh, a great racer told me if you don't make people do the right thing, they never will. However, <laughs> I, I, where I struggle, where I struggle is where the, the the culture of our sport, what part of that do you hold on? And what part of that do you let go of it? And our fan base expects to see side by side, door to door action. And it's impossible to ask the drivers to drive aggressively, to have double file restarts, to pay points at the end of stages, to do all those things. And then at the same token say, but you can't make a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, that's where I have a problem is that we don't live in a perfect world. We don't live in a NASCAR is not a world in which you push that car to the complete limit and things are never going to not happen. you. You're always going to make mistakes. And I think when you have a driver that consistently makes mistakes, I think that's when NASCAR needs to step in. I think when you have blatant inform- blatant things, um, Matt Kenseth, uh, Bubba Wallace, there's some other ones NASCAR needs to step in. But gosh, man, good hardcore racing in which two guys battling for the same spot. I don't know that we need to be penalizing those things.
0: Well, going back to Kenseth, I get what you're saying that like there there was no sort of, it wasn't codified that like, hey, if you take out a championship guy in a playoff race, if he's leading the race, it's 40 to go and you're nine laps down or whatever. Obviously the The circumstances there were sort of very unique (laughs) and the way Kansas did it was unique. But when I I look at that incident, I look at Bubba versus Kyle Larson at Kansas and I look a little bit like like what happened with Priest and Larson. Like I look at all of those different from Hamlin versus Chastain because Hamlin versus Chastain, Denny didn't end Ross's race. He he made a choice to put Ross to a choice and it was the last lap. To me, if, if you end a guy's race, it seems like, then that's where consequences come into play. Like, I don't, I don't, maybe it's just me. I just, I don't see a lot of merit in penalizing somebody for making intentional contact if it's just part of hard racing and it's not necessarily like you, you spun them or you crashed them.
1: Yeah. And again, you, you go back to the culture of our sport and, you know, Dale Earnhardt saying, I didn't mean to wreck him. I meant to rattle his cage. Okay. You meant to hit him. Like you know what I mean and how many times do we play that over and over and over. And yeah. so then how do we how do we play that and market that and say no you can't do that.
0: Yeah, like right. like
1: how do you do both? Right. And so that's what's difficult about this is that I don't just don't think we can have a, a sport in which it's just always can be has to be clean if not somebody's got to be penalized. I think there are, there's times you need to penalize people but if we're going to penalize people for rattling their cages then we need to quit playing the damn commercials. Yeah, Like you can't have it both ways. Right. And so, but again, this is not a new, this is not a new discussion. Like this discussion has happened forever. NASCAR typically has said, Hey, you guys, I mean, we had a whole boys have at it damn thing. Well, you know, and so typically it's been, we're going to try to stay out of it and you guys work it out. And typically that's worked okay. And sometimes it's not, I I don't, I don't, there's just no right answer. You, 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 racing is going to happen. Drivers are going to get mad at each other. People are going to be disrespectful to each other from time to time. And NASCAR has to have the the wisdom to step in when it's appropriate and the wisdom to not when it's appropriate. But everybody needs to be on the same page about what's appropriate and what's not.
0: I think certainly NASCAR will have to give drivers and the garage a little more clarity. I'm sure a lot of people are looking at that in the future. Before we leave Bristol, just to put a bow on it. Also for the future is what's going to happen to the Bristol dirt race. This was year three. Austin Dillon came out and said afterward, I don't care what people say. This was one of the best races I've had in the cup series was not just because you finished well or ran well, because it was fun. I've heard some other guys say that, but it's interesting. I mean, Kyle Larson, the day before the race was after he won the poll, I think was saying, I don't think we really need to be racing dirt. And even a guy like Stenhouse uh, who finished well in this race and is a dirt guy said that he'd like to see if they do another dirt race to do it at a dedicated dirt track. You and Steve Wattart did Motor Mouths earlier today, Jeff. And I think both of you guys were sort of on the same page in agreeing with a guy like Stenhouse that you'd like to see dirt be a part of the Cup Series, but maybe not at Bristol Motor Speedway, right?
1: In fairness, it was a damn good race. Right.
0: I'm so, con- this, this conversation, I'm so
1: internally conflicted about, right? So, <laughs> Like it was a really good race and yeah. throughout yeah. the entire field it is a good race. So to say we shouldn't do it again, but it was a good, right? Ra- right. So, so that's, that's what confuses me. The thing I don't like about it is just, I, I am you know me, I'm sometimes I'm a pretty simple guy and I just look at Bristol and I think about all the great moments that have happened at Bristol. I just don't know why we can't go back to that track. <laughs> why can't we, why can't we just put the damn track back like it was <laughs> and see what happens? And I know a lot of drivers wouldn't like that, but we used to go there and there was no choice. Like that's what you did. And, and I just remember the place being packed out and I remember how exciting it was and maybe it wouldn't be uh, with these cars or what, I don't know, yeah. but it's just, to to go from the point where we used to be, where that place would get packed out, to having that be the racetrack that we need to put dirt on, is just conflicting. It just confuses me. I don't yeah. know the right answer. I know this. I appreciate the hell out of Marcus Smith, you know, saying, "Hey, we're going to give the fans a great race. We're going to do something different." I mean, it's an extraordinary effort to make it happen, and I appreciate them doing it. Uh, but I think that other people are conflicted the same way I am. It was, gosh, it was fun to do, but why here? (laughs) You know, I I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what, I don't know what the right answer is. I know it's complicated. Um, And if you ask, if you put a hundred, if you had a hundred fans sitting right here with me, what do you want? You, you get a lot, you get a hundred different answers. Listen, people are going to say, well, there weren't many people there. It's dirt. Weren't many people there. Well, people that quit going there before it turned dirt. Well, the right. spring race, the fall race is still awesome. It's still great. A lot of people, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. But the the, the reason they put dirt on is because the fans weren't coming in the spring. I mean, if the fans were there packing it out, they, I promise you, they wouldn't have changed it. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a reason they got changed. And, and so I appreciate Marcus and, the, and their team doing it. I appreciate the hell out of it. Instead of just saying, hey, let's do the same thing over and over and over and get the same result. Let's do something different. So I appreciate that, but I just would love to see a a Bristol race from the mid-90s. I'd love to see that again and and see how that will work in today's time.
0: To put this in historical context, as you just alluded to, I mean, they got to the dirt place because of what happened in 2007 when they they put progressive banking in. It made it a multi-groove track. That obviously did not sit well with a lot of fans who were used to the style of racing you're describing. They tried grinding the top. It kind of changed the track a little bit but it still has never gotten back to 2006 and prior where it was the bump and run you have to run the bottom i guess my question to you would be could they go back to that i mean do you think like they could figure out a way to change the track or whatever to, to get back to where it was in the in the 90s i, I think so no, i think so nate but you know one thing
1: like the fall races have been really good yeah like right. like you know right. with the with the with the prog- with the multi-groove racing like the last few races there they have figured out the right tire they figured out the right amount of traction compound at the right time of the race like they have figured that out and mm-hmm. the racing has been has been really good so that even confuses me even more because when I, I mean we cover those races I watch them I'm like damn like they're really good they're fun. Yeah. and and there's a ton of action going on with that track as well so it's just again i it's one of the normally i kind of have an opinion i'm like this is what i think this one confuses me uh, because I, I went to the race sat sunday it was fun as hell i had a great time i will go to the race in in august it'll be fun as hell i'll have a great time and it's one's dirt One's concrete, so you know I I I don't know what the right answer is.
0: So we move from one short track to another, Jeff Cup Series heading to Martinsville, first time with this new low downforce package that NASCAR has for the short tracks this year. What, what do you think we'll expect to see this weekend? Yeah, you know, I thought I thought Richmond
1: was a better race with it uh, for sure. I thought it helped Richmond. Phoenix was kind of the you know kind of the same. I didn't see any difference. One thing that's going to help is. The races during the day, you know, with sunlight on the racetrack, that's gonna that makes the race better at Martinsville, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think we'll see a very competitive race. I think I think track position is gonna matter, like it's always mattered at Martinsville. Uh, I hope we get, I hope we get one of those long runs where, you know, <laughs> where it gets, you know, like the handling goes away late in the run. I hope we get one of those, but I'm excited to see. I thought, I thought Richmond was much better race for the slow downforce package. I hope it has the same effect at Martinsville. All
0: right. Before I let you go, uh, I haven't been to a NASCAR race yet this year. Don't judge me. I've got this IndyCar thing that Uh, I'll be in Long Beach this weekend again, and there's that big Indy 500 race next month. So might be a while before I get to another NASCAR race. So I'm relying on you, Jeff Burton, because I know you're there every week. From afar... It seems like there's a lot happening in NASCAR right now. There's obviously been some significant penalties the last couple of weeks, NASCAR versus the teams. There was a team owner meeting that didn't happen last week. It was certainly interesting. We've got drivers, it seems like, mad at each other every race. Again, not necessarily new, but just seems like the state of NASCAR is, is a little bit of a contentious place right now. So I'll, I'll come to you because you're there every week. Am I seeing things overblown there or, you know, quell my concerns? Like, is NASCAR not as contentious as it seems from afar? Or is it a little bit tense right now? Right now in the garage. Well, what's the context for?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the penalties and then the, the appellate, the appeal process and the decisions of the, uh, the, uh, the panel, I think confused everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when this car was introduced, it was introduced with the owner's blessing that these parts were going to be policed at an exceptionally high level. And there would be no, if you touched them, there would, it would be a massive penalty. And, you know, parts were found to be touched and changed. And there was a penalty. And then the, it was partially overturned. It wasn't always overturned. It was partially overturned. It gave some of the the points back. But, like, it, it's just confused the hell out of everything. And uh, that's got to get fixed. Like that's you, because there are car owners that are telling their teams, Hey, if you, you cannot, if you do this, you're going to be in trouble. And and the problem is if every car owner needs to be telling everybody that because that's the only way this car is going to work. So whatever happened uh, with that appeal process and whatever door got cracked to allow that to be partially reversed, that needs to be shut. Mm -hmm. And whatever happened so that at the end of the day, something was done to the car and it wasn't a, a massive penalty that couldn't be reversed. That's got to get fixed because clearly it was cloudy, right? Clearly it was cloudy. It can't be cloudy. Whatever happened there. And unfortunately we don't really know what happened because that stuff's not public. Right. It's got to get fixed. If not, this entire process with this car doesn't work. Car owners need to be able to look their car chiefs, crew chiefs, aerodynamics team leaders and say, you can not touch these parts. That's how it has to be. And if you touch these parts and you get caught, you've put your job in jeopardy. That's how it has to be. But the whole process has to work. So that's how it is. And something happened there that d- doesn't work. And so whatever that it's got to get fixed because at the end of the day, all the money, all the effort, all the work that's gone into this car, the, the foundation of it is you can not modify the parts. And that has got to get cleaned up.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what the entire next gen philosophy concept, whatever you want to call it, was predicated on that. Two follow-ups on that, though, from what you just said. You mentioned that you know, we don't get a lot of information about this. NASCAR said they're going to take the step of, they're going to start d- displaying illegal parts or parts found in violation as they used to do with their hauler every week. Good move for NASCAR. Should they go even further? Should they put everything on display? Should they be more transparent about like what the violations are?
1: I think everything should be transparent. I think I think everything, I think the appeal process, I think they should turn the camera on and let us all watch it. I think it all we should all be privy to all the information because if not, it's you don't understand it. Yeah. It feels inconsistent. I mean it, you know, Kali got a penalty and and theirs didn't get over to, like I like I need to understand it. Like I need to I need as a as a hardcore fan, I need to know what in the hell just happened. And as a, a, if I'm running a race team, I need to know what happened. If I'm driving a race car, I need to know what happened because am I being treated fairly? Is that guy being treated fairly? Like all that has to be in the open and that's a, that's a different mindset than it's ever happened. I think that's where NASCAR is headed with some of the, some of the, you know, trying to display the parts and trying to make things more public because, because we need to be able to learn from other people's mistakes. And what's always what what NASCAR has always been afraid of is that you learn from other people's willingness to be creative. And so that makes you be creative. But in this world where the parts cannot be touched, then if they were touched and something happened where the full penalty was not didn't happen, then that has to get fixed and it has to get fixed now displaying what happened would only help make that be fixed because you could, you then could go back and say, okay, you moved this, right? You did this. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I, I don't, I just think it's a different world. I just think you, you, you don't, you don't treat it like you treated it 10 years ago. You treat it like you need to treat it today.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's great opportunity here, right? Cause if everybody has the same stuff, then nothing's proprietary to some degree, right? Like you should be able to be transparent. You should be able
1: to be a hundred percent transparent. And then, even to the point where the communication between the team and NASCAR should be transparent. If, if you, if you requested and said, Hey, I got a problem with my part. I need to do this with it. That should be in an open forum where every team sees it and knows about it because then other teams could say, Hey, no, that's wrong. You know, we don't, we're not doing that. Why are you letting them do that? You know what I mean? And, and, and then, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a method to the madness and why NASCAR puts teams next to each other in the garage. Why they don't allow car covers at certain times where they there's a method to that madness and they the garage kind of polices itself. I say open it up even more. If somebody has a request to have to change a part because it came out of the box incorrectly, then every team knows that the request was put in. we got to
0: clean that up. I'll look forward to my first watching my first televised appeal hearing. That would be fun. I- like I, I think we'd like, all be important didn't you try to get roush to let you argue in appeal I, hearing once yeah. I, I tried to let chill i tried to get Childress to let me argue or oh, Childress, okay. okay yes
1: i did i i uh i wanted to go i wanted to <laughs> argue it it would have been i don't know if it been fun or not but i watched judge judy a lot <laughs> i i think i could i think i could do it yeah
0: <laughs> i I'd like to see your <laughs> skills as a litigator, just, just as I would have liked to have seen Denny Hamlin uh, in real time last week. But I
1: know. That would have been great to watch cool. in action.
0: Maybe another time. All right, man. As always, appreciate the time. Thanks for being here. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate Jeff Burton for joining us on the NASCAR on NBC podcast. Thanks to motorsports manager Emily Conboy for coordinating this episode and helping with the recording. Go to NBCSports.com or the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. And you can check out more of Jeff Burton talking about the Bristol Dirt Race with Steve Letarte and Marty Snyder on NASCAR America Motormouths. And as always, you can find more news, columns, and analysis on NASCAR Talk and Motorsports Talk on NBCSports.com. Please visit NBCSports.com slash NASCAR or NBCSports.com slash Motors. You can check out coverage from myself, Dustin Long, Mike Embry, and Dan Beaver. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter. At Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.